0: Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said? See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. This is the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL.
2: This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and this is episode 42. As the trade deadline approaches, the Rangers made some moves. Uh, There are some moves still pending, and we know some players are going to go, and some players are going to get re-signed, and there's just a lot of controversy, a lot of talk uh, around those, you know, uh, everyone has their opinion, and... You know, we're going to kind of break it down a little bit as, uh, you know, this seems to be some of the uh, some of the buzz around the league is focused on the New York Rangers and, and some of the players that, you know, they have available or will make available in trades. Um, a Little goaltending talk. And right now the Rangers are playing a uh, on the road against the Chicago Blackhawks. I believe they're up one nothing. Thanks. Thanks to Heedle and uh, Andy. Uh, how's the game going? I think you got the live feed going. So, uh, How's the game yeah, probably, looking?
0: Probably the detriment of our podcast right now because I was trying to get a, a view of uh, Julian Gauthier as we'll talk about, uh, I'm sure, in our upcoming uh, interview. But uh, yeah, I mean, they look good right now. Uh, nice goal by Hedel. Um But to your point, yeah, I mean, all the... This is the juiciest time of the year for hockey fans with uh, especially if you're a team that's selling... I think. Well, you know, I mean, also, if you're trying to acquire, but with the Rangers having uh, seemingly a few pieces that they could potentially move, it's really intriguing time. Um, So, yeah, uh, the trade deadline is on Monday, if you're listening to this on Thursday. So uh, I I assume if you unless barring something happening right after the game tonight, uh, we should be up to date. With the Rangers just making so far the the move to swap Joey Keene for uh, Julian Gauthier, um, who's currently playing on the uh, fourth line with Howden and uh, Lemieux, it looks like. Um, but uh, who do yeah, they have I centering
2: mean, that line? Just, uh, just sorry to interrupt you, but the, it
0: looked it looked like I the, he had they had it was uh, Howden in the middle with Gauthier oh, and Howden. Lemieux on his wings. Oh, Yeah, nice. yeah okay. which is definitely you know, and then you have DiGiuseppe. Heedle and um kako on the third and then they had uh yeah so yeah i mean it it definitely it looks like that fourth line is definitely more effective than it's been all season so that's a good thing you know so but uh i digress uh well i'm sure we'll as we said we have a an interview coming up in a little bit with zach from the siren sounders podcast where Uh, We thought it would be a good idea to sit down and compare notes on players getting traded, what each team is uh, getting, and break down the trade. And and we just spoke a little bit about where uh, Carolina's head is at going into this uh, trade deadline. So it was informative for us because we don't get to watch a lot of Canes hockey, but um, it just kind of helped contextualize things for both us and Carolina. Hurricanes fans, just to kind of set our expectations and figure out maybe why this trade was made and what the Rangers might be getting in uh, Julian Gauthier. So, but that's coming up uh, a little bit later.
2: Yeah, so you know I do want to get into a little bit. This is uh, the game the Rangers are playing right now against Chicago is an NBC Sports, uh, you know, featured game, so it's not through the MSG Network tonight. And uh, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to see um, the the guys on there, kind of discuss and break down their thoughts on you know the goaltending situation and I know we've you know talked about it a lot lately it's obviously a a pretty unique situation this obviously doesn't happen very often and and it's a unique situation too because of the impact that Henrik Lundqvist has had on the Rangers over the past few years and you know how much money he's making and and you know as in New York sports in just general you've seen Derek Jeter kind of uh, you know, go out on a high, you seen, you know, uh, Eli Manning go out, uh, last year and kind of, you know, pass the torch onto, to to Jones as the QB. And they kind of made that comparison of, you know, what will Lundquist do to solidify himself and kind of make himself, um, you know, a, a legend of New York Rangers hockey. And I certainly, you know, thought to myself, you know, the best way he could probably approach is exactly how Ray Bork approached his departure in Boston and how he went to Colorado and, and found his Stanley Cup. And, you know, they certainly said, you know, Colorado's one of those teams that right now are searching for that goaltender. And, and you know, they were very respectful discussing Lundquist, saying that, you know, it's not really his fault. It's just that he's in a situation where two younger goalies who are just so happen to be, you know, phenoms and in the right spot at the right time and and have success at this level you know and they said you know once again bork going to colorado that colorado would also be a good fit for for lundquist um you know what are your thoughts on on that and and are you surprised that now it's being featured on a nationally televised game and is this a way that you know people are getting more comfortable with the fact that lundquist could
0: be uh, you know sent away well the first thing I'll say is that Larry Brooks did come out today and say that uh, no teams have inquired on Henrik Lundqvist availability so he foresees all three goalies still being there after the trade deadline but I think at this point based on usage it's kind of clear as day what we talked about on our last podcast well, that can I Rangers- ask you a question on what you just yeah, said yeah, sure.
2: do you think that teams would be Asking first, or do you think it's important for the New York Rangers to kind of low key put it out there that Len- Henrik Lundqvist is available?
0: I think it maybe would open up a little bit more interest, but that being said, um, I don't, I don't know if the team would ever. I, I think, I think that New York, even though they're the weird, I think they would rather buy Lundqvist out than uh, say they're trying to actively shop him. I know. And I know that sounds very strange, but well, unless it comes from
2: Henrik Lundqvist, you know what I mean? Like if he says,
0: put the feeler out there. Yeah. And he's, you know, I, I, at this point, uh, you know, we spoke about if he would have a, uh, a change of heart, I don't see it happening. I think he's going to try to, um, yeah, I think for better for worse, he's just saying, I earned this contract and I'm going to be here. I mean, who knows? Maybe that changes, but, um, Mr. Popular, yeah, it's all right. Um, yeah, I just don't. Uh, uh, but again, you're you're right. I think that if I think if he wanted it out there, then I think teams would know that they that the Rangers would owe oh, it to Lundquist because if he wanted to get moved, they would do whatever they'd have to. Hell, they they'd probably add a add a pick to him to if they had to to get him out of there if he wanted so. You know, because then they feel like he'd be they'd be he'd be doing them a big favor. But you know, again, I I don't I still doubt that's what he wants to do. Um, which, yeah, it's just a really, as we spoke about on our last podcast, it's a really frustrating and difficult situation. You know, I don't, well, I think at the it, end it, of the day, it, it, it's no, once, just... it would be one thing if he was not, not to cut you off, but it'd be one thing if he was Mark Stahl and you were clear that it's like he wasn't, but based on how he's played this season, he's been, Yeah, he's not a deficient player by any means. He's not, it's not like he's like massively, lost a step or overpaid. He's not what he once was, but he's still a, a pretty good goaltender this year. So yeah, it's just real. It's just really complicated. I think. Um, I don't it. I just feel like we would know if he wanted to go the Ray Bork route at this moment in time, or we'd at least have a better sense where right now it seems like antithetical to that, that that's the last thing he wants to do. You know, Well,
2: I tell you right now, it's not, he's not going to ride out. Uh, you know, and this is and this is the problem too. With just like hockey in general, it, it's always going to take a backseat uh, to the other sports because you know it's a little bit different. You know, with Hank because he never got a championship in New York, and you know he also obviously he's he's the king of you know New York Rangers hockey, and we all appreciate everything that he did. And you know, right now I just don't feel like he's controlling his own narrative, and I think he's kind of being stubborn about it and you know he's gonna end up being this is deteriorating slowly the way fans look at Henrik Lundqvist because it's always what have you done for me lately so again people are gonna quickly forget especially when you have a young kid like Igor you know where his name is now being chanted within the garden and you know he's off to an impressive start going six and one you know eventually people are gonna forget about Lundqvist and and I'm not saying that they're never going to recognize what he was able to do with New York, but they're going to end up with a sour taste in their mouth, knowing that Henrik Lundqvist kind of, you know, never controlled the narrative and never, you know, gave himself an opportunity to win. And we kind of see him being, this is, this is him being selfish. And like, there's no other way to put it. You can't say that, you know, we shouldn't thank him for wanting to stick around and be a part of this rebuild because, moving him could be the best thing that could ever happen to this team. And it could be, you know, the best thing that could happen to his career because he could potentially win a Stanley cup. There's no positives with him sticking around with New York. And I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it anymore with Hank. It's, it's actually starting to drive me nuts that he's <laughs> thinks he's a part of this team right now because he's not, he's, he's not even a backup. He's our third option. And, you know, I'm glad Quinn has made that clear. And, you know, if there's one thing and one decision that Quinn has made this year, Uh, I'm proud that he was able to stick to his guns and and pick the best goaltender to start and not be, you know, and not, you know, bend the knee and kiss the ring of Henrik Lundqvist.
0: You know, I do feel this is definitely a joint uh, decision with Quinn and Gorton and probably J.D. as well. This this doesn't happen, you know, to your, you know, arguably one of the best players in your franchise history without management either uh, signing off on it or orchestrating it. So. Yeah, I mean, I think in the summer, there is still a chance Georgiev does get moved uh, if the return is they find is is what, you know, is uh, acceptable to them. In which case, then things would be much easier because I do think Henrik would be allow himself to be Igor's backup. Mm-hmm. But again, yeah, I, did, I think if the organization had its druthers, they would like to go on with a one-two punch of Igor and uh and George, no, you know, no doubt about it. So,
2: and I think that's where the league is trending right now. You do need two goalies to make it through the regular season. It's not, it's um, you know, it's, it's quite the norm to have a platoon and, you know, rely on both goaltend. I mean, you see how important a backup goaltender is Um, especially, you know, the, the season is so long and so grueling. And, you know, it's 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 toll. It takes a toll on the goaltenders. And if if you can roll out, too, and be confident that you're going to get two points every night, no matter what goalie you throw out there. I mean, that's a huge relief that goes, you know, you know, just it gives a sense of confidence throughout the organization and, and not just, you know, uh, you know, you don't feel like you're throwing away games in which you have your backup playing.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny because. It's this team seems like it's on the cusp of something good starting to happen to it sooner rather than later. But uh, I do, I do wonder if, with if Cryder does get moved, I think I don't know if, if Cryder moving or getting re signed is contingent on future moves they make. If they feel like they can get them for the price they want and they keep them, if that maybe eases their hesitation on trying to move other players or, you know, how important it is for them to try to where they feel their windows at. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's uh, right now. It's still, it, it's tough because the Rangers are obviously such a, they keep everything under lock and key because that's, they want to control the message as much as possible. And I, you know, you don't blame them considering what the a circus it can be for teams like uh, the Leafs and, you know, the other Canadian market teams.
2: Yeah. So, so, I mean, and there are, you know, countless other players that are on the roster right now that, you know, have, uh, you know, rumors and speculation circulating them. Uh, how do you think the Rangers locker room is right now, knowing that moves are probably going to be made, you know, this week, especially because there's only, I think they only have three more games before the trade deadline?
0: Yeah. Well, they actually asked Quinn that um, yesterday after practice, and he said, that whereas last year you felt a little bit more of the impending, when's the shoe going to finally drop in the room Mm -hmm. that he does feel that this group has only gotten closer and more, uh, yeah, they've gotten just more tight knit. And I think you, yes, you might see Kreider gone and you might see, uh, even a guy like Fost, who's a leader on this team, get moved. But at the end of the day, I do feel like they feel like they are, where I feel like last year was more of an addition audition for the future. Who's going to be part of the future core. Um, I do feel like they feel like they, the pieces are in the room. So I think it's maybe it's not as heavy. Of course, you'll miss a guy like Chris Kreider or even a Jesper Foss, given what they think. But I think they, they know that it seems that this group is eager to, especially the way they've used the young guys and, when they're all young guys, it's one, if you're, there's a few young guys, it's maybe one thing where you might be unsure who has their uh, hand on the wheel of the ship, but I think they understand that they're all pulling the rope together. And uh, that's what seemed, that seems to be what Quinn alluded to in his uh, uh, post practice comments yesterday that it's still jovial day to day. Guys don't seem as on edge. Obviously they understand it's a business and other teams are going through that, but he says last year, it did seem like there was more of an impending dread about the whole thing. Uh, yeah. Wow, SAP uh, since January first, Adam Fox tied for second in assists, uh, first in plus minus. Like Jason Louise, yeah, future's bright for New York. So uh, I think these guys know that they are. Even if, got, got, if uh, pieces get shipped out, that they are the future is in their hands. So, which is, is you know good to see. I think they understand that they're the ones who are going to be. Yeah, well, they're they, not. They're not passengers. So,
2: and you know what I feel like unique and. And I didn't have this in the last two, you know, dumps that the Rangers took at the at the trade deadline in the past two years. Is that there's also a sense of, you know, should we with should we resign this guy? Talk that's equal with the should we trade? And I feel like the players could be banding together and making the case of why they should be resigned with New York, and you know, more so like you know, a lot of, there's a lot of talk with Kreider obviously getting moved and. And it, it's hard to make the case when you look at it in an unbiased opinion of why he shouldn't be like why he shouldn't be moved and should resign him, but I feel like there's more talk about each individual player possibly getting resigned and you know what we need to do to keep him, um, you know especially with Buchnevich and Jesper Fost and 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 and, and, Kreider and and you know uh, uh, Tony D and you know and and looking at each individual person and each individual player and you know, what they can bring to the table, what kind of contract they can bring uh, in the future with the Rangers and you know, how we're, how we're going to handle the cap and, and navigate that issue. So I do think you know, I think the players feel like you know, they have a shot. They're playing for a New York Rangers contract too, which helps kind of keep the team close and, and together and,
0: and kind of feel like this is still a team. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, I think it's one of the, it's a it's a hard decision, but it's almost, you know, we should be thankful that it is a hard decision because I think if this team had the makeup of what it was last year, I don't think there would be anyone really talking about potentially resigning Chris. You know what I mean? I just, I think they think they are close enough where it could, it that, that it's like he could still be, uh, a vital contributor, and that's the only reason. So, I mean, yes, it's obviously painful, but it's only reason it's a, a an actual conversation right now is because this team has is really clearly moving in the right direction. I'm watching them defend right now, and it seems to be night and day from how they were defending earlier this year. Um, and yeah, there, I like I said, it's tough, and it, it's uh, it's you might there does seem to be some yeah, some, uh, indecisiveness on the fan base. You know, some people want cried or gone. Some people want him resigned. Some people want him gone, but then to resign in the summer, you know what I mean? So, but I think at the end of the day, um, if just to put my own two cents in it, it's that it seems that the team and cried are far apart on both term and money. Um, so, I mean, you can't, it seems like the Rangers want him down to five years and he wants seven, obviously. So, if he, and I guess if he's agreed to take five, then he's going to want a high term. So I just, I think the rings on the wall, it's just they're, they're probably too far apart, although he is playing tonight. So, but I think that's just part. Maybe they're still really trying to drive his value up. And Kreider doesn't really get, you know, knock on wood right now, doesn't really get injured. So maybe that's another thing if, if they, they want to show teams that look, he's we're still feel like we're in it, and we don't have to trade him. So maybe they're that's more gamesmanship. Well, that's by a, like Jeff I mean, that's a great point too, front and, office,
2: but and, yeah, no, and that's a great point, you know, as well. And you know, the Rangers are right there in striking distance of a playoff spot, and it, it really, you know, it's it's only to the Rangers' benefit to play Kreider and and steal a few wins here, and even if he does get shipped off, you know, you never know what you are going to get out of that young core group. You know, at the you know playing with the energy and and playing a team game, in the defensive zone, and you have hot goaltenders, you know, you could steal wins left and right in this league because of, you know, the parity and, and just, you know, just how the, the the nature of the game is any, anyone can beat anyone on any given night. Um, You know, so the Rangers really, you know, they're not out of this. So it really, you know, it's to their own, uh, you know, benefit and their own, uh, uh, you know obviously they're right to play him and and try to gr- grab points when they can because listen at the end of the day i, I don't care what teams are fighting for the wild card there's going to be five teams in the mix for the f- like the final two spots and we've seen it so many times where teams collapse like the Florida Panthers and Buffalo and then you see teams you know come out of nowhere like last year with the St. Louis Blues when they were dead last in the in the conference and, and they end up winning the Stanley Cup so i i think you know, more than ever right now, you know, it's important for the Rangers, you know, just to stick together and, and kind of, you know, take it one game at a time and, 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 you know, play, you know, play for the guys that are sitting next to him in, in the locker
0: room. But, yeah. I, that's a really good point. Oh man. Oh, whoa! Oh, break out of the box. Oh, and how it misses on the second. Jesus Christ. Sorry. Right. This is again, I, as I mentioned before, uh, trying to podcast and watch the Rangers at a bad time is not advisable. But
2: no, no, and I, I hear you. Yeah, and and you know, I obviously <laughs> we want to get into the the Rangers' big move, getting rid of uh, Joey Keane, sending him to Carolina, and us getting uh, what's Julian his first name, Gautier.
0: Julian, Gautier?
2: Julian, Julian. Is he French Canadian?
0: He yes, he is. He's uh, his family's from Montreal. All right. Well, uh. you know.
2: I mean, we, uh, had a great time, uh, with Zach over, you know, with the, you know, the, the Carolina hurricanes podcast. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie, Andy, I'm a little tired. Had a game last night. Didn't get back till 1am. And, you know, I had, I played hockey Saturday night that went until wee hours of the morning. I played basically from 9pm to about 2am straight in this like tournament thing was out of control. And, uh. You know, I got blisters all over my feet, and but do you want to hear the the good news? Yeah, lay it all on right. me. Well, well, I'll give you the good news: is that uh, I get to cover up my hideous blisters and disgusting hockey feet with some unbelievable Southern Scholar socks. And would you like to know a little bit more about Southern Scholar?
0: Uh, considering that I am actually wearing my pair right now. Uh, I think I can glean, but why don't you tell everyone at home uh, what your thoughts are on uh, these amazing dress socks?
2: Well, Southern Scholar is a hockey player owned menswear company whose primary focus is providing you with a better dress sock option through their monthly subscription or their shop. Simply put, Southern Scholar makes the best dress socks in the world, seriously. Crafted with their one of a kind signature material blend and designed with classic color palettes and timeless patterns. Their socks are built specifically to stay in place throughout your workday and add a subtle, sophisticated twist to your everyday attire. Included with each pair is their signature style card containing tips, tricks, and styling recommendations to help you best pair your socks to get the most out of your look every time. Southern Scholar brings you a unique yet professional dress sock which can be worn in the most prestigious of environments. Their socks have the perfect combination of stretch, softness, and breathability, providing a true mid-calf fit that stays in a place throughout your entire workday. You can join their monthly sock club and enjoy all your member benefits like lower prices, exclusive sales, and access to their membership shop Or you shop their collection without a subscription. Either way, you'll save money using the code THPN. That's THPN, like the Hockey Podcast Network.
0: They were nice enough to uh, send us a dope pair of socks each uh, i'm wearing mine right now and these things are absolute beauties uh we'll be tweeting a photo of them out on our uh twitter feed in the next few days so take a look at, out for them they're absolutely gorgeous and like james said uh you're playing league, yet you're sweating in your your boot you take them off you take and it's just uh oh, it's just a it's just a nightmare down there but yeah we you get to literally treat your feet to a beautiful pair of a dress socks thanks to Southern Scholar. So yeah, check them out.
2: Awesome. So should we get into the interview?
0: Yeah. So like I said earlier, this is our interview with Zach from the Siren Sounders podcast, our Carolina Hurricanes covering brethren here on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, It was an awesome interview. Like I said, we broke down the trade. We talked about the players and we talked about kind of what the psychology for both teams going into the trade deadline was uh, yeah. Um, it was a, uh, awesome interview and, uh, yeah. So here's our interview with Zach from the Siren Sounders podcast. So I don't know about you guys, but, uh, this trade really, uh, took me by surprise because this time of year, year, you kind of think you're going to see more trades that are geared towards teams, uh, postseason hopes, either trying to make it or selling the farm. So it's kind of strange to see uh, in in the interim a trade that doesn't really have too many ramifications for the right now, but more for the future. So, uh, Zach, uh, where were you when you heard about this trade? And what were your initial thoughts upon hearing uh, the news of uh, the Gautier for Keen one for one?
1: Uh, I was at home for lunch and uh, I saw it. I don't remember whether it was my friends texting it to me or just checking Twitter, whatever the case may be. Um, To be honest with you, Julian Gauthier was a super popular uh, prospect in the Hurricanes fan base world. Uh, And I've always kind of like mostly kept this opinion to myself, but also made it somewhat known that I, I thought that they were and probably should trade him for like the last, I don't know, six months or so. That's kind of been my thought. So I was a lot less surprised than I think most of the Hurricanes world was. I think it came as a shock to a lot of people because, like you said, it's just kind of an odd, a prospect swap, right? It's 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 not necessarily expected, and it, it seems like kind of a weird deal for a trade deadline time. Um, but I mean, I think it, I think it kind of makes sense at least from the Hurricanes end. I, I'm, again, you guys know way more. I feel like both of us know way more about our respective prospects than the other. So it's hard to kind of judge from that point of view because, you know, I don't I don't know a whole lot about Keane. But, uh, yeah, I kind of saw it coming, I guess. I I feel like maybe the Hurricanes management and and me think the same when it comes to Julian Gauthier.
0: Yeah, well, the funny thing is that I look at Gauthier and I obviously as soon as the trade went down, James and I did our respective homework on, you know, what exactly the Rangers were getting. And obviously we heard the comments where there was little things where uh, perhaps Rod thought he didn't utilize his teammates well enough or share the puck or yeah, or just maybe thinking the game at the NHL level. But I mean, it does seem that David Quinn and the Rangers do seem to play a little bit more, at least for the style they want to play. It's a little bit more meat and potatoes. So he does seem to suit uh, what David Quinn would probably want to do. And, I mean, also for the most part, it seems like if you look at uh in terms of dealing from a position of strength, uh to address a weakness, that's definitely something the Rangers have lacked in terms of uh some yeah, you know, some big bodied wingers and they, you know, they have Itali Kravtsov and Kako who have graduated almost immediately, but they're more finesse players at the end of the day. Um, so yeah, he really does feel especially if Chris Kreider is going to get uh moved out so you know for at least for the i'm sure and i'm sure we'll talk about this in a few moments but from a perspective of you know the the logjam the rangers seem to have on uh you know with their right-handed right pairing defenseman it seems that it made sense because uh joey would have a hard time despite the the outstanding rookie year in the ahl he's having cracking that right side with truba fox and d'angelo for the moment being but you know when i look at um carolina's defensive depth it seems like especially when you know i know he plays on the other side but it seems like with you when you have guys like jake bean who are also kind of a little overripe in the system it seems like you guys almost have uh, a similar thing going on in terms of you have so much defensive depth right now it's hard for guys to um to break into the the main roster so can you tell us what you think what what do you think the the impetus really is maybe besides doubts about the player in terms of uh, adding to an already pretty deep defensive core for uh, Carolina?
1: So I think that the, I mean, it depends on what you mean by depth. I think that the Hurricanes have plenty of depth at the AHL level, like in the prospect world for um, defensemen, you know, they've got Jake Bean, they've got Keen now, they've got um, Chase Prisky, they've got uh, Roland McEwen, they've got, you know, they've they've got Jesper Selgren, they've got a lot of guys who Um, have plenty of potential and and Anthony Honka in a few years um, you know plenty of guys that have potential to become AHL players but to me that's just what prospects are there it's potential Um, and I think a lot of times we we look at prospects like they're guaranteed Uh, and the fact is that I mean how many first round picks have you guys seen not pan out or not make it to the everyday NHL or level right it happens all the time, um, so I think that the hurricanes have a lot of that depth at the prospect level. I, I disagree with most people when they say I think it's kind of a mirage around the league that the hurricanes have an incredibly deep um, defensive you know defensive depth at the NHL level. I think that that was more the case last year uh, when they had Justin Falk having probably one of the best years he's had for the hurricanes and Calvin Dehan on the roster as well um. You know, I think that the Hurricanes right now, especially with Dougie Hamilton out, that need a, a second pair of defensemen badly uh, to kind of help their playoff push and any sort of playoff hopes of going anywhere. Um, so, you know, I kind of feel like the defensive depth is is somewhat of a mirage around the league and that I guess their thought is, you know, if, if we need to replace guys eventually or we hope that we can get more defensemen out of our uh, farm team to just load up and, you know, shoot a shotgun at the prospects and see, you know, which one hits. Um, I also think it had a lot to do with the fact that uh, Gautier is kind of, you know, aging as far as his contract goes, and he's going to become waiver eligible. Um, So I think that their thought was, I don't see this kid cracking the roster, and if we do call him up, he's going to get claimed on waiver. So, like, maybe let's get something for him and refresh our prospect pool with another high-end prospect that has a little more time to cook down there.
0: Well, that's an excellent point. Um, you know, uh, Joey Keene is two years younger than uh, Gauthier at this moment in time, and he's still, uh, yeah, he will come with Seattle entering the league. Uh, he will be uh, exempt from the expansion draft. So, yeah, yeah you, those are good points, Zach. Um, for Rangers fans who are maybe not super familiar with the player, what can you tell us about uh, Julian Gauthier? Uh
1: He's a big body. His family is like all... Bodybuilders, Uh, and they're all. I mean, he's a he's a big guy for his age. Um, Definitely fully mature physically. Uh, He's got some uh, some skating ability. He's he's a really power forward type player. Uh, And at the AHL level, I mean, he's just dominated, especially this year. Uh, But last year, he he you know had a shaky season that in stretches would be you know just dominant, and he tied that at the end of the season last year. And this year, he's just been a beast. At the AHL level, um, we saw him in, in the preseason this year in training camp, and he had a great camp. Uh, most people penciled him into the roster um, and it just came down to the Hurricanes were pretty deep at the forward position with a guy like Martin. Natchez. Uh, you know, the team really wanted to get him up to the big leagues. And I mean, with the season he's having, I'm going to say that they probably got that one right. Uh, and it just seemed like there was not really a great spot for Gautier, and they were just going to let him continue to learn and grow his game at the AHL level. Um, We've seen him get called up to the NHL level now and play a few games in the regular season, Uh, and he didn't get a ton of minutes. To be honest, his his definite needs to work on category would be his defensive game and his, uh, you know, just neutral zone, making smart plays to the neutral zone. He's got good offensive ability but at the NHL level, you know, it's so much faster than the AHL, and uh, it's so much easier to, to screw up and not get a puck deep in the neutral zone, and it costs you on your other end, so that's kind of a lot of what was happening to him at the NHL level in his short stint of kind of being an injury replacement earlier this year, and so I think that that's you know, you hear a lot of these, oh, I don't think he gelled with the coach. I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think a lot of people just immediately assume that with Brendan Moore because he's very uh, he's very picky, if you will, about, like, his style of play and not deviating from it. And so, it, it like, you heard that with Eric Halla a few weeks ago, right? He got scratched for a game because, you know, the Hurricanes had 13 good NHL-level forwards and they were rotating guys out. Holla hadn't been playing great, so he sat just like, you know, the three other guys before him at sat um and everybody turned it into oh they brendan moore must hate him and and he doesn't like brendan moore and he wants out and like i, I think that was supremely over dramatized um it's just that you know rod brendan moore knows what wins games and uh he's not going to deviate from his style so if you can't fit into it you're just not going to get as much playing time um so yeah i i think that gotier is maybe better suited in a different system i, I i'd I think that he can do well with the Rangers and I hope he does, you know, I'm not, it's, it's not like I'm sitting here rooting for the kid to do poorly. Uh, I hope he does great. You know, I, I wish him all the best. Um, but I was starting to kind of get glimpses of a guy who was really kind of on that teetering on the edge of, okay, are you going to become an everyday NHL player or are you just going to be labeled with the great in the AHL? can't crack an NHL roster which you you know you see a lot of guys do that and sometimes it's confusing because of how good they are at the AHL level but um, he's kind of he's kind of at a uh, crossroads in his career here so we'll see what he can do with the Rangers but uh, I think you know at best he sticks around as an everyday NHLer and can be a, I see him being a really good like third line depth scorer on a good team so you know if if you're in a rebuilding team or whatever the case may be you know he could play top six but uh, I think that his defensive woes, you know, can hurt at times until he kind of adjusts to that, which obviously takes time in a league that, at like the NHL. So,
2: well, I, th- I personally think he's going to fit perfect with the Rangers after everything you just said, uh, the Rangers are, you know, again, they're rebuilding and they're basically taking these young kids and, and molding them into, you know, NHL, uh, ready players. And I think it's a good move for the Rangers overall. Um, my question for you, though, going forward is, is Joey Keene someone that you see as maybe playing right away and cracking the lineup this year, or do you think this is a long-term move? Uh, maybe a, a move is made again for Carolina in terms of defense, and then he gets called up next year. Um, how do you see this playing out? Because I know Andy is kind of our uh, prospect guy, and he knows a ton about Joey Keen and he kind of buttered him up all year long with me and, and I'll be honest, I, I almost spit out my lunch when when Andy broke the news, <laughs> news to me at the diner. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm a little sad right now. But uh, everything <laughs> that you've told me sounds like this kid, you know, will fit really well with New York. I'm just curious to see, you know, what Carolina's thought process is with Keen moving forward. Uh,
1: my guess would be no, I don't see him cracking the roster right away. Um, you know, the Hurricanes have six guys that I feel like right now uh, they're, happy with and, and are getting it done well enough. It's just, it's it's a weird stretch. It's the difference between the two teams, right? <clears throat> I mean, absolutely no disrespect to the Rangers. They're obviously still a good team. And if they were in a different conference or division, they'd probably be in a much better position. But, uh, you know, at this point in the season, the playoff hopes are are definitely fading. And so it's a team that when you kind of understand that you're rebuilding and you're not you're not at the level that your goal is to be. You know you're building to get there still. That you kind of you play around with your roster, right? And you you tend to be able to give you know prospects more of a chance to kind of have a tryout during the regular season. When you're fighting every day, falling in and out of the wild card spot and up and down, and you know two points out of third and uh, a few points behind second, but also three points you know from tenth in the conference. I mean, it's just a wild race. You can't really. You got to kind of stick with what's proven, right? So I think it's hard to just kind of give a prospect a chance, especially a defenseman. You know, there's only six of them. It's kind of more of an important position when you're in that spot. So for that reason, unless there's injuries, I don't think that uh, we would see Joey Keane called up to the Hurricanes roster. Uh, and, you know, if there are injuries, I, I think it would probably be Jake Bean first just because the Hurricanes obviously see him every day in their system um and he's definitely earned his shot and has played at the nhl level with them some so they know what they're getting but uh, i think it's just keen's just another talented uh right-handed defenseman which you can't ever have enough of um to join the system and he'll get every chance in training camp next year and you know maybe he surprises some people and cracks the roster then but unless there's real injury problems which i really hope there aren't because we've had <laughs> enough of those with our best defensemen getting uh injured long term uh, I don't. I don't see him cracking the roster this year. I think it is more of a uh, a depth move, and like I said, just more longevity out of a prospect. You'll have him in your system for longer.
0: It does seem like Carolina has been pretty prescient in terms of moving on from guys that maybe they didn't see what they needed to out of. I mean, I do. I do remember. Well, I a I, I remember. Uh, you know, Alexei sorella going to Carolina in exchange for Eric stall many moons ago, which was yeah. a horrible move, not only in hindsight but in foresight. You know, I still, I still didn't understand it, but whatever. But yeah, uh, it, it was they've, they've, you know, they made the the wise choice to move on from him. Although it seems like he had a whole myriad of other problems as well. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was Valentin zykov a uh, uh, Kane's prospect. Am I getting mm-hmm. that wrong? Yeah, yep. and they moved on from him, yep. and both guys have shown that they ultimately don't seem to be NHL players. So they're two for two in that regard. So obviously uh, as a Rangers fan, I do have a little pause, but you know, it's, <laughs> I think f- funnily enough, with Joey going, going into this season, uh, my questions were kind of similar about some of the things I I've read and heard about Gautier and that he, his uh, sk- skating ability is a plus skill for him. He's an elite skater. Uh, he has, I think, elite, uh, lateral mo- uh, mobility, his ability to his recoverability is excellent uh you know his maybe his hands are average to below average his puck his ability to move the puck is uh yeah he, it's, he's just it's, i think it's average but it's really that skating ability that had been a hallmark of him with uh, in junior uh but this year he seems to he does i do believe he thinks the game better than i really give I gave him credit for going to this year because he he did really surprise me he makes the AHL all-star game the numbers he's putting up um they're really and you can see that it's really not so much of a fluke and that he's putting himself in good positions he's shooting the puck um and yeah it's just he's you know I, I just his development really has surprised me this year but you know at the end to your point earlier what, what you were saying is that at the end of the day these are prospects and they are ultimately there similar to draft picks until you have extended viewings at the NHL level. They're, they're essentially lotto tickets. You don't know what you're going to get. Right, they might right. stabilize at some point keen, you know, his uh, skating ability and it might buy him more time and space than he needs to think the game until or like Gautier, until you get up to the NHL level where everything's a little parity's a little bit greater. And then, your plus skills all of a sudden kind of get leveled off with other guys so right uh, i do think it's interesting for both teams to see what uh, how it looks uh from here especially considering we play you guys on friday and it looks yeah like, <laughs> it looks like Gotier will be in the lineup so i mean that'll be very interesting so you know to trade a to trade a, a guy who wasn't getting a who couldn't crack your lineup to a team that you're facing two days with the, the possibility of him being in the lineup for said team is uh yeah it's it's pretty yeah it's it's definitely kind of juicy in terms of something like i said this is a trade that you probably this time of year everyone's focused more on uh what trades for what they're either their postseason run or or just to set them up for you know the the summer but to see two teams making a trade that's more for the ramifications down the road this time it's yeah it's especially but with prospects that are have this uh you Know maybe not, they're not elite prospects, but they have pretty uh, good pedigree f- between the two of them, so definitely surprising. Um, Zach, I did want to ask you now that this is out of the way, uh, in terms of moves for uh, as you guys make your push for the playoffs, is there any other moves that you think it behooves uh, Carolina to make, or anyone that's on their radar for maybe fans of the Rangers or even Carolina fans who aren't uh, aware of what? the of yeah of what uh carolina is thinking about uh ad- needs they need to address or do you think they stand pat uh
1: i mean i could definitely see them not doing anything um and that's because i feel like the the majority of the market out there for what they need is a defenseman really um i mean they would take a they would take a forward if the deal made sense but um i don't know that there's any they don't want a rental and you hear you hear a lot of this across the league. And it's just like everything always comes back to Tom Dundon because he's just this guy that does things differently. And there's just always a, everything, everything that the Hurricanes are deciding to do always gets painted under the narrative. Of, oh, well, Dundon doesn't like this. Dundon doesn't like that. <laughs> well, the, the, the real truth of that matter is that Tom Dundon is a, is a businessman, right? He's not a hockey guy. I mean, he's obviously become a hockey guy now. And uh, he surrounded himself with, you know, a committee of people who know the game really well and can kind of educate him and advise him on all those decisions. But he is a business guy. And uh I mean, I think if you were to peek into his bank accounts, you'd probably get the gist that he's a pretty good business guy, right? (laughs) He knows how to make money, he knows how to grow a company and and that's what a sports team is, even if we don't think of it like that. It's a brand, right? Um and the idea to him of spending assets in draft picks and, you know, mortgaging your future for a guy that's going to be on your team for a couple months. I mean, when you think about that from a dollars and cents standpoint, it's it's got to be hard to swallow for the guys that are spending that money. Um, so you know, I think that there's a lot of teams that are just like, oh, we're hockey. people. We just understand that's that's how it goes. And he's like, no, I don't. I don't think that makes sense. So I don't. I don't think we should do it. And uh, it's kind of like a old school, new school. You know, everybody's just kind of used to, oh, the rental market, and that's what it is. But uh, I've never been super high on the rental market. I think that. You know, if you're if you're a team that's really, really high contender, like you're you're ready to go. I mean, I think back to 2006 when the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup and they added um, Doug Waite and Mark Reckie. Obviously, those were great. And it's pretty hard to imagine them winning the Stanley Cup without those guys and just what they added. Um, so, you know, in that position, it, it makes sense. You're you're really going for it. Um, but, you know, you see all these teams giving up a bunch of first rounders and and high draft picks and, and really good prospects for guys that. You know, realistically, probably are on their team for 2025 20, games. Have to adjust to a new system that takes you know five, ten games. So what are you getting? 10, 15 real games out of them, plus however long you make it in the playoffs. And if you don't win a Stanley Cup, it it, it kind of wasn't worth it, right? And the reality is that most of the time you don't win the Stanley Cup, right? It's it's not uh, even close to in your favor when you start the playoffs. Even the best team probably has like a 10 percent chance of doing it. Uh, so I really don't think in the business world it's a great investment. And so I think that that's why the Hurricanes don't really like doing it. Um, so what they're looking for is definitely a defenseman with term, which, you know, is kind of a thing that a lot of teams don't really want to give up. Uh, or if they're in a position to give them up, like you hear a lot of talk in out of Minnesota, of like a Jonas Brodin or a Matt. Matt Dumba. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like those Minnesota doesn't want to trade those guys. Like, obviously they, they, would do it every player's got a price right you offer you know the oilers want to throw mcdavid over for matt Dumba. they're going to be like yes of course we don't care anymore we'll trade him for that (laughs) you know um but in general like that team doesn't want to trade those guys they will if you offer them enough but to me that drives the cost up enough to where it doesn't become worth it for any teams to throw them off or so i think the hurricanes are kind of stuck in between not wanting to just you know rent a guy uh and mortgage their future draft picks that they really value highly as a as a uh organization and you know needing a guy but maybe not being willing to overpay for him in the with guys with terms so I, i don't know it's it's a weird it's a weird situation i'm hoping that they can pull something off and bring somebody in because i i truly think they need it to do anything in the playoffs if they can even make it there with how hard the race to get there is um but who knows it's 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 really a it's a very different trade deadline year for me like from what I'm used to
2: yeah Zach I got another question for you too going going forward with you know with the trade deadline and and the playoffs coming up I do think Carolina is one of those teams that is a lock for one of the wild cards Uh, I'm not sure if you'll creep your way up into you know the top three but I think you'll definitely find yourself sitting in a wild card spot come the end of the season that being said you know, you had an amazing run last year. You knocked off Washington. You knocked off the Islanders, thankfully. And, and you know, you got to the conference finals and you lost to a very good Boston Bruins team to no fault of, you know, the Hurricanes. You just, I think you just lost to a better team overall. I agree. Um, um, and I do think the, you know, the way the standings are right now, I think that the talent level of a lot of teams that you see, and especially in the wild card, it's kind of an illusion because our division is the toughest division in hockey. I mean, I mean, just look at the points, uh, look at the standings. I mean, the, the teams that are favored to win the cup, I think are coming, you know, you know, out of our division. What do you, where, like, where do you think Carolina, what do you think the chances of, of Carolina making another run this year, just like they did last year?
1: Um, well, let's see. There's two sides of me. There's the optimistic hurricane side of me that says, of course, this team can do it, and they will do it, and they're gonna do it, and that's what I would love to like just a hundred percent believe. And then there's the rational part of me that breaks this down, you know, from kind of a third party view, and realizes that this Hurricanes team this year is is significantly different than the Hurricanes team last year, personnel-wise in general. Like that they, they have a lot of new faces. They kind of decided to give up a little bit of defense for some more offense and and add a lot of skill and speed to their forward group. Uh, which has worked great at times and then kind of backfired on them at times. They're just they're not nearly as hard to play against as they were last year. Um, they don't have as many guys willing to be you know kind of physical grinders and that sort of gameplay, which is which is what the playoffs turns into. so it, it really depends to me if if you know the hurricanes skill wise are good enough to just straight up beat teams with their with their Ford group, um, especially when you know Sebastianaho Table Taravainen and Andrei Svechnikov have just been killing it lately. So if you can get anybody going behind them, you know, and it's not just a one-line team, you have a chance to win. So uh, I would say that when I think that way, I mean, it makes sense that they could do something similar to uh, last year, but it's going to be tougher, I think. I I, I think it's – you also have to understand that, I mean, the Hurricanes didn't make the playoffs for, you know, nine seasons in a row, and last year was the first time they made it since then. Uh, Justin Williams was the captain. It's just like the – Whole fan base re, revitalized around them, and it was just a lot of there was a lot of emotions, right? And I think that you know whether you value that stuff or not, it, it made a difference, and it makes you a little more desperate and and hungry to keep going and and get as much of that experience as you can. And now that it's the second time around, um, I don't know that you can anyone could duplicate that experience, right? I mean, you can't just tap into that adrenaline level; it's not the same, right? Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 tough. I could see. I feel like the Hurricanes are either going to lose in the first round or go at least as far as they did last year. It's it's really up in the air. And I think it really also depends on who they play and whether or not that team is more of a grinding team or more of a skilled team.
0: Yeah, I mean, and when I look at uh, Carolina on paper, you know, you kind of do see the, you don't want to call it a split, but it's like you see the the melding of the the older core and then the younger core. And I guess the question is, I guess our question for maybe a team that doesn't, Uh, follow Caroline as closely as you do do you see some scenario in which the the younger even though you know you have good you know uh, contributions from guys like Svechnikov and Aho and Nechaz to a lesser extent right now do you see uh, within maybe the next two seasons this team getting it done with them kind of being not you know they might even they might be the the firepower that uh, carolina wields but you know they they are ultimately maybe in terms of the pressure cooker they're a backseat to uh god i don't even know if he'll he'll be around but <laughs> justin williams and dougie hamilton mm-hmm. and jo- uh, jordan stall and even if guys like this angle are still around or do you think it's going to take uh the you know these guys becoming the uh the, the new forefront of the team for them to finally uh, get back to the promised land.
1: I mean, I think they already are the forefront of the team. Um, yeah. I mean, if you, if you look at it, it- it's, Sebastian Ajo's got 34 goals now, which is insane. He's on pace to break the Hurricanes' franchise, re- re- franchise record for most goals in the season.
0: <sighs> I dropped him <sighs> in fantasy earlier this year because he was he <laughs> yeah, stunk he, for he that went, first month.
1: And he just I know, and he's gone off in the last month. Man, uh, table, so he's got 57 points, 34 goals. Tara Vinan's got 56 points, and he's got like a trillion assists, which is just what he does. And Andrei Svechnikov's got 55 points as a 19-year-old. Um, so, I mean, they are the Hurricanes present and future, I think, for sure. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know that Justin Williams, you know, he had to decide this year, took him half a season to decide whether he wanted to come back to the NHL or not. So I don't see him, you know, I don't even know if he'll be back next year. Who knows? Uh, then you've got guys like Jordan Stahl that the team, you know, is getting all that they can out of him. He's still a useful player uh, and just a beast of a human, honestly. He's just a big guy who can just will things his way. Uh, but, you know, not a lot of skill, not a lot of speed. And that's being very generous. Um, so I think that, yeah, they're going to have to rely on that younger core. Uh, and Dougie Hamilton, who is emerging to be, you know, arguably one of the best. I don't think it's really that arguable. Honestly, One you could say one of the best offensive defensemen in the league um, with the season he, he was having before that injury. So unfortunate. I mean, he could have yeah. scored 30 goals this year. It's insane. Um, so yeah, they're going to lean on guys like that. Nate, just like you mentioned is, is having a great year. I see him being a, a key part of their top six going forward. Um, you know, and then the support staff I would say would be like, uh, you know, need They have him for a little longer. Um, you know, if he can consistently keep generating, you know, 20 goal seasons or so and they, you know, who knows what happens with like an Eric Halla. I don't know that he'll be around for long. um, They've got a they've got a bottom six that's kind of a hodgepodge of grinders and skill guys that uh, can hold it down. So I think as long as that top six, you know, if Natchez continues to grow, Vetshnikov is going to be an absolute superstar if he's not already. Uh, and we already know what we have in Aho and Teravine. And so if those guys can continue to produce the way they are and, and the younger players just keep getting better and the defensive prospects come up and, and fill out that depth, uh, I mean, yeah, I think you're looking at a pretty scary team.
0: Yeah. You know, and Zach, just to to get this wrapped up, um, my last question for you is: You know, a guy I've always kind of had my eye on from afar is Alex Uh mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I look at his numbers for Charlotte right now, and they're pretty good. You know, that he's a, and you know, I uh, I look at it right now with uh, the situation you guys have um, in net. Uh, what did, do you think? What do you think the timetable on Nedeljkovic eventually? getting a a chance or making his way up to uh the canes is do you think it's something that we could see within the next year or so or do you think it might be a little bit longer than that
1: uh i think that either one of the hurricane's current nhl roster goalies has to get traded or ned has to get traded um because if if they continue and i mean i've been fine with morazic and reimer and reimer's been a super pleasant surprise i mean he's earning his contract he was the highest paid goalie coming in and you're like is this guy even going to make the team and he's definitely earned his money. You know, he's he's been worth three and a half million dollars this year, which is awesome to see. Marazic um, is, you know, somewhat inconsistent, but usually good enough to get the job done. And at times he's really good. Um, so I don't, you know, that's, that's why Nedeljkovic is still in the AHL he's earned every opportunity to to come up and, you know, he could very well be on this team. They could put him up there and they wouldn't be any worse for wear at the NHL level, but you know, it's money, it's money related. He's getting paid 700,000 a year and these guys are getting paid, uh, you know, three to $4 million a year. So you're not going to sit them and play a a kid who, you know, can get paid, what is it? $90,000 at the AHL level or whatever it is. So it's definitely a, political slash money thing is the reason why he's not in the league um and like i said I, I you know i don't see him coming up over those guys on the roster now but who knows what the hurricanes are going to do with their goaltending there's been a lot of kind of rumors and and ideas of, of moving out you know a Mirazik or whatever the case may be rhymers only under contract through next year so uh i would love to see ned at some point i, I think that he's he's a uh, really talented young goalie. He's plays super similar to Peter Morozik. So I don't know that it would be much of a difference of guys playing in front of him. Um I don't know. We'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do with their, with their goalie pool. I'm
2: kind of confused. You're not, you don't roster three goalies. Yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I, I thought every team does that. Yeah. <laughs> weird.
1: We did for a stretch last season um, when we still had Scott Darling on the roster, which was right. Dark days. Yeah. I'm glad that That's not the case anymore.
0: All right. Well, Zach, <laughs> this is, like I said, uh, uh, going into this interview, it's, you know, very, we were, I think everyone's a little caught off guard, but at the same time I do, when I look at both the Rangers and, uh, Carolina, even though maybe they're both in slightly different phases of where they are contention wise, they both do seem to be forward looking for the time being, especially when you consider the prospect pools that both teams have done a pretty good job of amassing over the last few seasons. Uh, and like you said that these are no, by no means, a sure thing, you know, so you need as many kicks at whatever, as many cans as you can have. But uh, mm-hmm. I think, especially when you look at uh, some of teams that are barren right now, I mean, the Rangers used to, you know, suffer from this uh, immensely. So it is taking them a few years to get back to a spot where they feel like they can start. They're feeling good about how they're setting themselves up, up for the future. So uh yeah, I guess I'll, i uh, will end it by saying, uh, you know, we wish here on the Broadway boys podcast, we best wish the best of luck to you guys, maybe not on Friday, but, uh, <laughs> right. as you push for the playoffs, uh, best of luck. And yeah, uh, I hopefully, uh, we don't have to record another emergency podcast if our teams make a trade, uh, anytime soon, but yeah, uh, Zach, thank you for coming on, man. Um, if people want to, uh, Yeah, if Rangers fans want to take a look at your stuff on Twitter, how can they find you?
1: Uh, I don't know why you would, but, hey, if you do, more power to you. You can follow at SSKane's podcast on Twitter. Um, And, you know, if you want to check out the podcast, it's proudly part of the Hockey Podcast Network, Siren Sounder uh, podcast.
0: Yeah, we're trying to give everyone little bumps. You know, not that we have any any clout to get people bumps, but. Hey,
1: every little bit helps.
0: Yeah. And if any, if anyone in the Raleigh area wants to follow us, uh, yes, at, at Broadway boys pod, please. We, uh, yeah, we have some, uh, fun stuff going on, uh, a lot of cross pollination this time of year with the hockey podcast network. So yeah, uh, hopefully you're listening to all the wonderful podcasts on the network and, uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, and Zach, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Hope we talk soon. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Broadway boys podcast.